welcome to More Life, the Reentry Podcast, a podcast about offender reentry, reform, and advocacy. I'm your host, Vinkibia Gardner. Thank y'all for tuning in with us today. We are back with another episode to bring y'all some more content about reentry. Um, so today we are going to be talking about um reentry, but with a different different twist to it, an area that I'm not really familiar with, but I'm very excited to learn about. Um, so we're going to be talking about gangs and reentry and how individuals who are involved in gangs uh, reenter back into society. So there's a lot that's going to come with that, and we're going to get into more details later. But before we get into those details, I really want to introduce our guest um, and talk a little bit about her and um, for you all to get to know her um, before we get into the conversation. So Dr. Natasha Kaday is going to be our guest today. She is a postdoc fellow at the University of Cincinnati Corrections Institute. Her research interests include desistance from crime, reentry, and rehabilitation of justice-involved individuals, as well as the cross-cultural application of criminal justice research. She is focused on using data-driven solutions to support agencies and practitioners in their efforts to reduce crime, reduce recidivism, and unnecessary confinement. She has a plethora of experience working in a, a variety of different areas related to the criminal justice field, um, and she'll be able to talk about those a little bit more on her own, but I, I want to say... Dr. Kade, we are so excited to have you on to talk about this subject. Um, like I said, this is not something that I know a lot about. Actually, when I came across your research, this is not something that I even considered. Um, but I'm really excited to dive into the conversation today. And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me today, Vankiv. I'm really, really excited to you know talk and see how this discussion goes. Okay, well... You look, we're glad to have you, like I said. And um, before we get into our conversation, because this is like, and I say this at the beginning of every episode, this is how we always start off. But how did you get into this topic of, you know, incarceration, reentry? Like, how did you fall into the world of criminal justice? Well, I started out my career, I was I was trained as a counselor and this was way back in 2010. I was I grew up in India in Bombay and out there once I completed my my counseling degree, I was very interested in working with individuals with substance abuse uh, issues. And so I got a job at the detention center in Bombay and there I worked with a number of juveniles who were on criminal cases and so during my work there I would do a lot of uh, counseling and one-on-one -on -one sessions with individuals but also did a lot of family sessions so I worked uh, primarily with male juveniles and worked with their families in in the community setting and through through my experience um, working in that in that setting I realized that there were a lot of uh, programs that, you know, we were, we were sending children to, we were sending them to substance use treatments, but we didn't know how effective they were. We didn't know whether this was helpful for them. And they came with so many different problems to us. So we didn't know where to start, like what, we, what should be the focus if our um, if we wanted to reduce their involvement in the criminal justice system, if we wanted them to like 
stop getting in uh, involved in the criminal justice system? What, what do we need to focus on? And that's where I really got interested in working within criminal justice to do research on evaluations to see what works and what doesn't work and how can we you know, uh, use limited resources to be as efficient and effective as possible. And that's uh, how I began my graduate studies in criminal justice at Arizona State. And then through there, a lot of my work um, involved doing research on a research study that focused on re-entry. And so I became very interested in understanding why do individuals stop engaging in criminal activity and how can we you know, hasten this process or how can we help them on this in this process towards disengagement? Yeah, sorry, there was like, it's always difficult, like, getting off of mute. Um, so this will be one of the parts that get cut out, obviously. But no, that, you know, sounds amazing. And like, so like you said, you've been able to find your way through getting your degree in psychology, and then kind of going into a doctoral program uh, and looking more into this. And so I guess like, just before we even like move towards the topic, um, I know you said you looked at desistance, you're looking at reentry. Kind of what are what are your perspectives of reentry and desistance right now? My perspectives on them. Um I think that in terms of are you asking in terms of research or just generally where the field needs to go or um I guess well actually let's save that question for later. Like let's let's okay. leave it at because I think I'm like where the field needs to go and I feel like okay. I'm a little bit ahead. So yeah. We'll move that, but um, no, but seriously though, it seems like you have found your way um, into this area and you've done quite a bit of work uh, since then throughout getting your degree in psychology um, and then getting your PhD in, um, in Arizona. Yes. Okay. So I guess just kind of jumping into our conversation, like I know that we're going to be talking about um gang membership and reentry can you kind of give us just like a like an intro into uh gang membership gang disengagement kind of help us understand um what all of that is sure so in terms of gang membership you can largely think of it as having three stages the first stage would be joining and then the second stage would be persistence so you're you're a gang member and then the third stage would be disengagement. And so what a lot of people think when they think about gang members is that gang membership is a, a permanent uh, status, you know, like you, you, if once you're a gang member, you're always a gang member. And that's a common misconception or a common, common, common myth, because what what research tells us is that actually gang membership, especially gang membership within the street gangs, is a very temporary status. So most people, they stay in gangs for less than two years. So they join gangs and they're barely there for two years. But then the problem is that being a gang member has enduring effects. So even though you were a gang member for a very short period of time, that impact is still seen on your relationships, education, employment outcomes. And so it's really important to understand, okay, we know a lot about why individuals join gangs, 
but we know less about why they disengage. And only recently was this a topic that has gained more and more interest among scholars and amongst researchers. So what I'm kind of hearing from you is that even though, even though a person may be in a gang, um, and even if they're not actively engaging in the gang or the activities right now, the fact that they have membership in that gang still is going to follow them throughout their life and wherever they go. Correct. So even though they don't identify with the gang, even though they've cut all ties with the gang, what we see is that there is still an effect of being part of a gang has, you know, gang members or people who were part of gangs have lower educational attainment or they have more problems with employment or they have more problematic family relationships. Mm -hmm. Because being during, you know, the time in a gang is also a very traumatic experience because you're exposed to more violence, you're more exposed to more criminal behavior but you're also more likely to be victimized because you're part of a gang and so that also is a very traumatic experience for individuals and so they might also experience more um, mental health issues as well yeah and speaking to you know kind of where we're going with our conversation today is more likely to be incarcerated more Mm -hmm. likely to be cycling throughout the system because they are experiencing more violence or being involved in more violence or just being involved in more criminal activity in general. Yes, exactly. And so I guess, can you talk, I guess, talk to us about like, and I know we tend to focus on the reentry part, but um, with incarceration, you know, is this, is this something that we see a lot in people that are incarcerated of like gang membership or gang involvement? Amongst individuals who are incarcerated, yes. So there is a high number and it, it differs based on the state that you go to. So some states have a higher, you know, high problems of gang memberships so, or uh, prison gangs compared to other states. But yes, there is a lot of uh, individuals who are involved in gangs. And so even though they're not active members, they still might associate with gangs because of race or other factors. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, this is so this is something like, depending on where you are, you can see it or somebody can be experiencing it. Um, And so when people come become disengaged, I guess in your search of trying to understand that, are there particular reasons why people become disengaged? Yeah, so so there's a lot of work done within the street gang literature about why people disengage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know, there are lots of reasons for joining a gang. Some of the most common reasons for why young people join gangs is for protection, for, you know, having bonds, like, because they have probably problematic families and they don't have a a parent figure. They might join gangs because they want those close connections. They want, uh, you know, those friendships and those peer associations. So they join gangs for that and also for financial reasons. But then what we find is that once you get into a gang, there's a lot, you know, the reality of it is very different, right? Everyone is, there's so much of violence, you're engaging in criminal activity, you're more likely to be victimized again. 
And so you are not you're not going to be protected. And then there's a lot of, you know, a lot of instances where people are not looking out for you. It's it's always like personal gain. And so they find that they don't have those connections that they were looking for. And also there is some work that's done that show that, you know, a lot of gang members, especially if you're a regular gang member, you're not going to be making enough money. You're probably going to be making less than um, the minimum wage. And so so once they realize all of this, a common reason for leaving a gang is disillusionment because you have certain expectations, but then there is a dissatisfaction with the fact that the gang is not meeting those expectations. And then you realize that you're getting into more trouble or you're getting into more uh, of a predicament with the criminal justice system. And so then you are more likely to then want to leave. Yeah, and that makes sense. So it's just like, like you said, the what you intended or expected for this to provide for you is not providing that. And instead, it's coming with a lot of different other consequences um, that have a lot of effects on a person's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exact. That's exactly what we see. And even within prison context, uh, you know, less work has been done about disengagement in prison, just because we we need to keep in mind that prison gangs are a little di- may be a little different from street gangs in in that the members within prison gangs they're more likely to be embedded in the criminal justice system compared to the street gang members, and so they're older individuals. They have different expectations about why they might join a gang and so um with that in mind as well we a lot a, a lot of work has focused on street gang members and not on prison gang members mm-hmm. but there is some work that's that you know is coming up more recently which shows that yes even within prison gang membership a lot of members leave their gangs in fact but maybe more than a quarter of members leave or close to 50% leave their gangs while in prison because they are disillusioned and they just, you know, don't want to have anything to do with the gang because they want to leave prison and they want to, uh, they associate getting into trouble, they associate, uh, you know, having problems with the criminal justice system because of the gang. And so they want to distance themselves from that. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. I think when people start to realize and as they're trying to, you know, get themselves together and, you know, especially for when they come out, it makes a lot of sense of why you would want to distance yourself. But I also can see like that can be a little challenging given, like you said, it continues to follow you. And is there some type of expectation for from the gang that you're still going to be involved yeah, so interestingly, and it's probably um, not something that, you know, is is counter to what people might believe, is that a lot of the gang members, they leave and they don't have to do anything to leave. They just walk away. And so I, for for the most part, it's nonviolent. People just leave their cup ties and that's, that, that's okay. There have been few instances where it's more difficult to leave, but for the most part, we see that there you don't have to do anything to leave the gang. Mm-hmm. And and within the prison context, a lot of people, you know, that I've spoken to, they were just like, yeah, we, we left the gang by just leaving prison. So it seems, it seems easier there once they leave prison 
that mm-hmm. they just cut off ties and so they don't consider themselves part of the gang and it might be more tricky while they are in prison just because you know of the close quarters that they live in and that there are other members living within their unit and so sometimes it becomes tricky but uh, through some of the research that I've done they a lot of the people said that they just left that they didn't want to be a part of it and there were no negative consequences because of that and that and you know and that's a great thing and like and I'm glad you said the point because there are some instances where it may be a little bit more difficult but that like you said that doesn't seem like that's always the case but I feel like the you know growing up the media has always depicted it that way and so I feel like I have that thought in my head of like oh well you know they can't get out and I'm like well you're this is what the research is saying so I'm I'm really glad that you pointed that out yeah. yeah, exactly. Because I think it's a very, very common myth for people to think that, you know, once people have decided that they're going to be a gang member, they get a gang member for life. And there are some movies that also portray that idea. But that's the majority of people do leave their gangs and they leave uh, by just walking away and there's no consequences from the gang to leave. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, no, uh, thank you. And so when we're thinking about, you know, gang membership and recidivism can you kind of um help us understand the relationship there sure so in general what we find is that gang membership does increase the risk for recidivism so when people belong to gangs they're more likely to engage in criminal activity after they uh, leave prison and that makes sense right because if they're still actively involved in the gang they still have um, anti-social networks so they're more likely to engage in criminal activity they're more likely to engage in activities of the gang which then increases their risk for recidivism or they have other peers or other associations that engage in criminal activity. And we, we do know that having antisocial uh, peers or uh, in, in peers who engage in criminal activity are more likely to increase your risk for recidivism as well. So it is, it is very clear that gang members are more likely to engage in criminal activity. They're more at risk for recidivism. However, more research recently has come up where they're, they they try and make a distinction between gang members, so current gang members and former gang members. And that's interesting because it is, um, they are di- two, you know, very different groups in terms of like their associations, in terms of their resources that they have. And so what we find is that current gang members have the highest level of risk for recidivism. However, former gang members to have a higher risk for recidivism compared to individuals who were never in a gang. And so while current gang members have the highest risk for recidivism, former gang members have a slightly lower risk for recidivism, and then non-gang members have a lower risk for recidivism. And, you know, I'm my face was like a little confused at first, but I think I may be understanding of so current, let me just repeat, make sure I'm understanding. Current gang members have the highest recidivism. Um, but what we're seeing is that former gang members have a lower recidivism than current ones, but a higher recidivism rate than people who were never in a gang. Correct, yes. Um, and for some reason, that makes sense? <laughs> um, <but> Does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think... If you think about uh, 
what a gang membership means, right? Is that you, when you think about gang networks and when you think of your personal networks, if you're in a gang, you're more likely to be linked to individuals who engage in criminal activity. So you, so most of the, the people around you or the most of the people that you surround yourselves with is criminal associates. Right. And so they, and so that makes sense. They have the highest risk for recidivism. But with mm-hmm. former gang members, what happens sometimes is that, you know, although they de-identify with the gang, and so although they say, okay, this is, I'm not part of this gang, and I, you know, I'm not going to engage in the activities this gang is engaging in. But the problem is that you still have lasting relationships with individuals. So you still have some peers who are your friends who are part of the gang. And so you're still associating with um criminal associates, probably not to the same extent as individuals who are current gang members, because you've probably broken away from some people, but you have some lasting ties to the gang. And so that increases your risk for recidivism, just with, you know, based on what we know about re-entry and about negative uh, peers or criminal associates and so that's why they might have a higher risk than non-gang members but also what's different between current gang members and former gang members is that there's also differences in like motivation to engage in criminal activity or maybe you know motivation to change and so some of the research that I've done we we find I find that current gang members and former gang members do differ in their levels of motivation to change. So, in ter- and what I mean by motivation to change is motiva- motivation to engage in more pro-social activities, in activities that are more, um, you know, um, focused on maybe well, getting a job through means that you know like a legal job to so to make a living through legal sources and so they have higher levels of change because they associate all of the negative um, problems in their lives to the gang itself and so there is differences in motivation to change but also there's all there's differences in like mental well-being as well where we we find that you know former gang members have better mental well-being than um, current gang members. And so this could help them probably in, be more um, in, engaged with employment. And that's that's an empirical question again, right? There's not much research done in that because it's a very new area, but we find that they have better mental well-being. So that might help them also establish uh, more pro-social relationships they might have healthier relationships with others and also have better um i don't know ways to deal or better skills to deal with problems and issues that might come up and that might help them maintain jobs more you know than current gang members does that make sense no that makes a well yes that makes a lot (laughs) of sense (laughs) that makes a lot of sense of what you're explaining there especially when you kind of explain the difference between former gang members and current gang members and I think as you were going through because I hear you talking about motivation for change are you talking about mental health um are there other areas in which you see differences in these groups like do do former gang members get uh housing more better than are more likely to get housing options better than current ones or um family dynamics like are there other things like that are into in play 
so there's not much research done in this this area, uh, oh. to be honest. But uh, some of the work that I've done, I've looked at the differences in housing for current gang members and former gang members. And I did not find any differences, even with like family support, I didn't find any differences in terms of, you know, current gang members get uh, receive less support than former gang members. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, out here, we also need to think about how re-entry works. So when someone leaves prison, there is like a honeymoon period where mm -hmm. there's a lot of time in prison where they decide okay we're never going to come back to prison for the most part the majority of people say oh we're never going to come back and make our life we're going to change our lives or whatever and then they go into communities and that is probably the honeymoon period where um, family members are more likely to support them they're more likely to you know have relationships with them because there is a feeling like okay this person has changed or you know the 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 distance between that individual and their family has given them some uh, space, and so now they once they come back into communities, they're more likely to support them. But as people uh, continue uh, to re-enter and reintegrate into communities, and with the passing of time, those that support system is likely to in a way disintegrate because then there's more conflict that's going to arise so as time as you know more time passes there's more conflict that arises and so i didn't i just looked at the differences in re-entry one month after an individual was released but i didn't look at it over the period of time so mm -hmm. my guess is that as we as we look at relationships or as we look at level of um, support that they receive from family members it might change as you look at say three months or nine months or one year from mm -hmm. release mm -hmm. okay now that makes sense that makes sense and so this it seems like this is still an area where there's some opportunity to grow in as far as especially in the research area to to kind of collect and understand some of these things because it doesn't seem like there's a full understanding of things here yet Yes, exactly. And a lot of a lot of the research has focused on, okay, has someone disengaged or is, is someone a current gang member, but there's not much work done within the re-entry aspect of gangs. So like, once you've been released, what does it mean to be a, a gang member and what does it a current gang member and what does it mean to be a former gang member. And beyond that, also, there's you know, there's a lot of work done on like stigma with gang members and mm -hmm. a lot of um, a lot of issues that might come up for being, uh, you know, a former gang member. So how does all of that impact re-entry and reintegration? We know very little about that. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yeah, because like that was really going to be one of my questions is how does it impact their re-entry outcome or, you know, the likelihood of them reoffending? But like you said, we don't have a lot of information there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think one of the areas for future research is to even look at those aspects that are very specific to gang membership. So, you know, um, being a gang member is traumatic, like I mentioned earlier, having experienced violence or having experienced or witnessing a friend, a close friend of yours being killed or engaging in violence or being victimized. Those are all really traumatic experiences that not many people 
go through. And so what does, so that's very like unique to the gang situation, right? For, for the most part. And so what does all of that mean during the re-entry process? That's something that's not looked at. And also what does it mean for a former gang member who wants to walk away from that life and who doesn't want to, you know, have anything to do with the gang, but all of those experiences, they, you know, they have to still live with those experiences and with those memories. And what does that mean for, for living life after the gang? And we've not really looked at that. And so that's some, something that needs to be done more of. Yeah. And I think that that makes a lot of sense too, of like, cause you have, these individuals who are involved in the gang and they're continuously experiencing trauma um, at different rates at different times. Um, and when they come out, they're still left to carry this stuff with them. And nonetheless, also to say incarceration itself being a traumatic experience um, and then being released into the community and trying to find your way when when your life before that was being involved in a gang mm-hmm. um, you're, you you want to separate from that but you still have all of this kind of like baggage <laughs> with okay. you exactly and and besides that too there are a lot of things that are out of an individual's control where you know they, they decided to leave the gang and they probably have cut off ties with a lot of gang members but then you know law enforcement might still think that they're part of a gang and then they might you know so that's that's another issue and how does that impact recidivism too right so that we we still don't know a lot about that area or maybe like there are other gangs who still think that you're part of this gang and you might be a, a victim of some kind of counterattack. So there are there have been instances of, you know, things like this. And so we, we do know very little about gang reentry. And those are those effects that you were talking about of because you were associated, affiliated with the gang, they follow you. So that law enforcement, you know, stopping you and you know thinking that you're doing something or thinking that you're still part of the gang or Mm -hmm. you being attacked by another uh, gang because they know that you were involved years ago Mm -hmm. um those are those effects that you were you were hinting at earlier yes yes so there there are a lot of individual level effects and then also like external effects of like what are you know how other people are responding and how do you signal then that you're not uh, part of the gang in Hmm. which can be really hard to do if you're still in the environment of which the gang functions or operates correct exactly and so that's another challenge with uh, gang disengagement is that a lot of the times people have to stay in the same communities where the gang you know functions and so uh, that's another reason maybe if even if you're not a current gang member as a former gang member you're still in that area and you're still in that neighborhood so you still have contacts with people who are in the gang and so that o- automatically you know increases your risk for engaging in more criminal activity or puts you at risk for engaging in more um, criminal activity yeah that's what i was thinking too of like i see how it makes you more susceptible to go back to crime because mm-hmm. One, it could be you're in the environment and that's what you're surrounded around. And then already with the challenges of being 
of having a criminal record, not being able to get a job or having difficulties getting a job, housing, I can see how, and with this extra layer of being a gang member added on to you, mm -hmm. you could go back to the life before. Exactly, yeah. And be back in this cycle of, even though that's not the cycle you wanted to be in, but it's the option that's in front of you right now because mm -hmm. you don't have any other options or they're not feasible. Correct. And sometimes it's it's really hard to get away from that. And, uh, this, this just reminds me of some work that was done which looked at how individuals disengage from gangs. And so basically, uh, the researchers there, they focused on um, a role exit model, which was, was a model that focused on how people become exits. So how do they leave organizations? So for example, this was based on theories where they looked at how nuns left the convent and how do they become an ex and so using the, that kind of um, reasoning they looked at gang disengagement and they found that there are four distinct steps to disengaging from gang and so the first step is basically you have you know um, initial doubts about whether you want to be a gang member so you're you're basically kind of being pros and cons of your current role and then there is um, anticipate anticipatory socialization so that's basically the idea where you're going to try out or you're going to seek out new roles other than being a gang member so you might you know look to see whether you can get a job somewhere or you can you can you can look to see what are some other options available to you so you try out these different roles and sometimes and then the next step is is a turning point so basically a turning point is an event and i'm sure you've spoken a lot about turning points with re-entry but it's basically an event that occurs that you know solidifies their wanting to leave the gang and then finally, there's uh, a post certificate, uh, post exit certificate. So basically, to say that you are you've like basically cut off ties with your gang members. And so when you were talking about being in a neighborhood and like having those uh, friends or those those associates right there, or lack of opportunities for you know getting a job elsewhere, those are things that you know I thought made me think of this uh, role exit theory because there are a lot of people who are initially contemplating that okay yeah we want to leave the gang and they might also say that they de-identify with the gang so they might not even call themselves a gang member anymore but then the lack of opportunities or the lack of any other options or the the fact that they have so many friends still involved in the gang prevents them from completely disengaging and then pulls them back into the gang to engage in criminal activity yeah, and I, that's what I was thinking when you were talking about them. I was like, well, if they're still there. They're kind of disrupting the steps mm -hmm. to what it is to fully disengage from right. the gang. Right, because there might be a lot of instances where someone says, "Oh, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't identify as a gang member." But they're still engaging in uh, the activities because they're mm -hmm. so embedded in that network. Mm -hmm. And so none of these steps have to happen in a linear fashion, right? You can have first doubts, but then you can move. So you don't have to go through first steps. Then you have to uh, like an anticipatory socialization turning point. So people can go through these steps, you know, multiple times before they disengage. So right. this might happen. They might have doubts, but then they pull back into the gang because something 
because of something or the other, or they might have a turning point, but they might be pulled back because they have they still have friends, or they might have something that you know comes up where they think that the gang is more um, lucrative or it's a better option for them. Right. Okay. Another thing that I was also thinking about as, you know, we've been discussing this and um, I'm, I know that this happens for uh, a lot of people when they are released. I mean, I'm wondering if this is the case for people who are former gang members. And I don't know if you have anything on this or if you know anything about it, but like identity uh, mm-hmm. thing issues or anything, because like your identity once was gang member and now you're coming out as former gang member and trying to find your way in this world um do you know of what that what is that like for them so i haven't really done much work in this area and so mm-hmm. i i can't speak to it but i i do know what what you're talking about and i have read some work where it gets complicated especially when someone feels like they're not part of a gang anymore but then they're still stigmatized and so there's a lot of um what do you call it there's a a lot of dissonance out there (laughs) but (laughs) but I haven't I haven't personally done a lot of work in this area to speak to it yeah and you know and and I'm definitely not asking you to for sure I was just thinking about you know as we're talking about these challenges for people who are former gang members and they're trying to re-enter I imagine that that is something and it kind of goes in line with that stigma piece of like you know people are still defining me by who I was or what I was involved in and I'm trying to essentially rebrand um and but I still have all these things associated with me because of it so I was just thinking man that might be an additional challenge added on there yeah and and that causes a lot of frustration I've I've heard people tell me about those frustrations Mm -hmm. which bleeds yeah and it's like it's just like a cycling thing because like as that frustrates you that bleeds into what mental health eventually Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and well-being and and then it just becomes I don't know, like it, 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 I don't know. They just continue to just be stuck. Yes, it's it's a cycle, and it's really, really hard to to get out of that. To say, okay, you know, I'm this was my former self. Now this is like my new self, where I am motivated to engage in pro social activities. But then the fact that you were a uh, a former gang member really limits these opportunities, and that causes a lot of frustration because because you were a former gang member, you're less likely to be able to get like, you know, employment or jobs that would then help you and keep you going into like, you know, live a life that is more pro-social. Right. Okay. And, you know, I think like, so now that we're, we're kind of moving on and segueing into um, the next topics of related to this, of what, what do how do we help or not even like not I guess not even getting to how do we help yet um based off what you know the research you've done and what you have found what does this mean like and why is it important for us to continue to talk about something so specific like gang membership and reentry? Yeah, so we do know that you know 
gang membership is very, very destructive on multiple levels, right? It's very destructive for individuals who engage in or who are part of these gangs because, like, we were talking about the enduring effects. But also, gang members are more likely to engage in violent criminal activities. So that's more damaging for communities as well, you know. And so by understanding what makes people disengage from gangs we could probably inform policies for prevention so like why are people leaving gangs so what what are the issues what are some things that are making them leave and so can we use that information then to inform policies that work to prevent individuals from engaging from becoming involved in gangs in the first place. So if disillusionment is a big issue is where uh, a lot of gang members are getting into gangs because they want protection, because they want money, because they want these familial connections or these peer associations, but they're not getting it. Can, how can we use that information then to say, see, so many people are um, not receiving these things and how can then we use this to create policies to prevent individuals? And so that would be helpful for reducing violent activities that they engage in, but also it would also be helpful for a lot of youth who then are, you know, are in these gangs to help them much earlier. Because as the longer people spend in gangs, the more uh, effect negative effects they will experience right so if if you're in a gang for one year against two years that's probably more helpful to <laughs> recover from that and so understanding why people disengage would then help um, also develop policies to encourage or motivate more people to leave gangs and also we understand okay if these are the effects of it how can we help them soon after or you know immediately after they leave gangs to then reduce the impact or the enduring effects yeah i think that's an important piece especially prevention is always so important because like if we have the information and we we know and we understand then like you said we can put these things in place to one help young youth uh, um not get involved in gangs maybe they understand give them some better understanding of what this like is like in those that are currently involved to um kind of reduce the impact or the likelihood of them i guess like the length of time they're involved in the gang because it does just come with more negative consequences if the more you're involved with it um and so yeah that i think prevention is a, a really good piece there um, I guess, is there anything else that you would say? Covered most of <laughs> Okay, yeah. no, and <laughs> that's fine. That's completely fine. And, um, you know, in thinking about when they come out, uh, how do we as a community, how can we as a community, practitioners, um, just advocates in general show up for these individuals and kind of help them through the various challenges that they're going to have because of not only the already re-entry challenges, but this added tag on them of gang membership. Yeah, that, that's a very, very good question. And I don't think I have a very good answer for it just because, you know, it's, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And I'm not sure what the right answer is in terms of, in terms of former gang members. I think that, you know, there is a 
a quantitative, a qualitative difference between a current gang member and a former gang member, and we as you know, agencies need to consider this because it was just like, oh, gang affiliation, yes, no. But it's more nuanced than that. So considering whether someone was a former gang member, you know, and thinking about a lot of the treatment uh, model that agencies use where they focus on the R&R model, the risk need responsibility model, where I think gang membership should be considered just to see if if former gang members have higher levels of motivation to change. How can we use that then to help them engage in more programming that would help develop would help them develop skills that they need then to counter some of the long enduring effects of gang membership. Mm-hmm. So if if they've been or problem solving or just communication with employers so how can we then use you know look at former gang membership status you're looking at their levels of motivation and so using that and encouraging them using what motivates them to then get them into programs which would help build skills which will then help them say get a job hold a job maintain a job mm-hmm. yeah i agree and also some of the things that you talked about earlier um, with why people join games, why people join gangs of helping them build those things. So if they're looking for social connections, helping them build it, build a pro-social community um, and what that would look like for them, whether that's peer support, family support, of if they're um, looking for financial stuff or need help with financial stuff, helping them, like you said, with a job, maintain employment uh, and having the skills to be able to do that. Um, if they're, you know, looking for protection, just getting a better understanding of how they could protect themselves. So, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a very, very good point. And I think that, you know, one of the focuses could be to develop those, those communities or those networks that are probably completely, you know, non-existent for former gang members who's, who've probably like broken away from like old associates or friends who are still engaging in such activity. Mm-hmm. Or if they do still have connections with criminal associates, how can you encourage them to develop same, those ties with more pro-social uh, individuals so as to encourage them away from um, engaging in criminal activity. So yeah, that's a very good point of building those networks once they're released because that's one area that that's probably making them higher risk for uh, recidivism. Yeah, because it's lacking. It yes. makes sense too. Yes, it's very much lacking and so trying to help them in those areas. Um, and you know, I think, <laughs> I honestly think that was a great answer. I don't think there's a, a right or wrong answer. I think, like you said, um, there are definitely different, there are steps that we have to take to be able to get there. And these are some of those. And I think for some of us that are just like, you know, community members and, you know, you we may not have the lived experience, but um, you know, have being open-minded, um, mm-hmm. especially when people are, you know, trying to make the necessary changes. And um, I think the role we can play is not stigmatizing and not, having those myths, some of those myths that you talked about before of once a gang member, always a gang member, um, and that type of mentality and not, you know, and projecting that onto people. Right, exactly. 
I think if if anything, I, I the one message that I would like people to take away from this is that you know, gang member is gang membership is not a permanent state. It's it's very fleeting, and people you know cycle in and out of gangs very very quickly and so we really need to keep that in mind when thinking about gang members so that they're you know to reduce the stigma that is attached to being a, a gang member a current gang member or former, former gang member mm-hmm. and if we want these people to be productive and yes. be able to come out and be successful mm-hmm. we have yes. to keep that in mind i definitely agree yes well, you know, um, Natasha, I am so grateful that you came on to like talk to us about this. Like, like I said, this is such a new area for me. Um, and it's definitely an area that I'm seeing. And just based on our conversation, that has a lot of opportunity for us to learn a lot as people go out and dive into this area. So I'm thankful that you came on and you shared your expertise, the knowledge that you have and, you know, the implications and what it is that you want people to take away from here. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, audience, um, please let us know what y'all learned from this episode. Like this is a lot of great information in here. Um, talked about a lot of different things and I will make sure that if you want to know more information about, um, what Natasha does, I'll make sure I put her information uh, that she has provided in the description box below. Um, And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, push the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at more like the reentry podcast. Thank you.